Hello and welcome to Intelligence Squared, where great minds meet. I'm Head of Programming, Connor Boyle. For this episode of the podcast, we're off to the city of Prague, the capital of the Czech Republic, in the safe hands of author Helen Oyeyemi. Her latest book, Parasol Against the Axe, is a novel set amongst the city's streets. It's often said that a city can feel like a character in a book, but in a skilled feat of unconventional storytelling, Oyeyemi's book uses Prague the city literally as the narrator of the tale. That story involves a lost weekend in the city set around a Hindu and some surreal storytelling to make outlandish ideas come alive. Oyeyemi's previous novels and short stories have won awards including the Somerset Mom Award for her book White is for Witching and she's been shortlisted for the Goldsmiths Prize too. Joining her in conversation today is the journalist and podcaster Rachira Sharma, host of podcasts Everything is Content and Anatomy of a Stalker. Let's hear more from Rachira now. Our guest today is Helen Oyeyemi, novelist and writer of books including Mr. Fox, What Is Not Yours Is Not Yours, and Gingerbread and Pieces, which was shortlisted for the Goldsmiths Prize. Her new book, which we'll be discussing the themes of today, is a love letter to the city of Prague and is titled Parasol Against the Axe. So, Helen, I would love for you to tell me about Parasol Against the Axe. How would you describe the book? Um, hi, Richard. First of all, thank you for having me. <laughs> hi. Excited to be talking to you. Um, Oh, how would I describe the book? It's, I think it's, as you said, a love letter to Prague. It's part of a body of work that gets called Pragensia, um, which is basically people who have come to Prague and have just been sort of stunned and dazzled and have tried to figure out what this place is because it just doesn't feel like, sometimes it feels like a city and sometimes it feels like a state of mind almost. Um, or a zone of communication, or a zone of, um, uh, I guess, transformation. I feel like people use the word transformation too much, maybe. But um, in this case, I often feel like Prague is a place where fiction comes to become non-fiction, <laughs> and, and vice versa. Like non things that you just don't imagine are possible suddenly like cross this bridge into the possible, and vice versa. Um, and I guess wanting to add my voice to this chorus of voices that are sort of singing, what is Prague, um, was the main aim hmm. of, of writing Parasol. I love that Prague feels so present in the book. And I was wondering, what was important about representing Prague to you? or How does Prague function in the book for you? Um, as a living being um, and as a sort of wily, almost wily, um, maybe almost a trickster character. Um, I think when you compare it to a lot of the other great European cities, um, especially it's so close to Vienna, which is so monumental and like so um, takes such care to impress upon you that it was the center of this great empire and, and even places like Paris um, have a kind of almost museum feel to them. And then when you come to Prague, it's just like so beautiful, but so um, it's not, and I think it's not un, it's not unaware of its beauty. It just doesn't really care about it. It cares, it feels like Prague has other things that it cares about and is interested in and pursues. Um, so that sense of like trying to fictionalize a city that already does a lot of fictionalizing itself was really tricky. And I kind of liked running around with a sort of net trying to like capture some visions that Prague had to spare 
Um, so yeah, it felt it very much felt like trying to have a dialogue with and with another living being. And how do you feel now that you've written the book? Did you feel like you got close to capturing some of its essence and its vibrancy and, you know, the character of Prague? I think I have been able to present my corner of the mystery. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it often feels, when, especially when I'm reading other books about Prague, as if like everybody has their angle that they sort of collide with and just say, okay, um, I don't know. And I think I went as far as I could. Um, with this and then just like hit my angle where I had to sort of step back and say I don't know and just enjoy the mystery of Prague. I love that. Um, There are so many stories within the book um, that range you know from centuries in all honesty. Where did the inspiration come from those you know mini stories within the book? Were they based on real things that you've encountered or mythologies? Where do they come from? Um, I think that they kind of come from that open question of what a Prague book or a Prague story really is. It's kind of like when you talk about Prague and all of the things that Prague has been through, you could talk about the communist regime, you could talk about the Nazi regime, you could talk about the time of the alchemists, you could talk about, like there are just so many eras that Prague has lived through and none of them define Prague. And in fact, there are like future Prague's that are probably unimaginable to those of us who are living here right now. But, um, that will be covered in times to come. And that's kind of exciting. And so it's it's what was part of the challenge for me and what was so daunting about writing a Prague book where it was kind of like, it's not possible to address it all. Um, but also even just walking around Prague or um, engaging with like the films and the literature, um, you see glimpses glimpses of all of the influence of these times. So yeah, it was kind of a way of like touching on that patchwork um, without getting drowned in in these different eras. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, and I'm especially intrigued by the kind of magic or, you know, the unexplainable elements of the book. Um, I don't think this is a spoiler to say that, you know, there's a book that comes up that every time a character picks it up, it changes and you can't really explain why that happens. It feels kind of, I don't know, maybe supernatural, supernatural, maybe fantastical. Um, can you tell me more about how magic or the unexplainable functions in the book? I don't see those things as, I don't see those things as magic or unexplainable. I think that what happens a lot in what, in why, in the way that I write, in the way that I conceive of fiction is that while I'm making things up. It's like, while I'm here making things up, I might as well just make everything up. <laughs> and that's, that's, my whole, that's my whole conception of fiction. Like you're you're already like in an unlikely realm. So all of the unlikely things can happen. Oh. Um, and it's also, I think, a way of talking about what happens psychologically, like as we read, like the actual process of reading. Because um, I reread a lot. And I've noticed that when I go back to books that I've read, like even as much as a year ago, I'm just kind of, there are passages that I'm like, I don't think that passage was in the book <laughs> like when I, when I first read it. Um, there's a sort of reorganization that happens every time you return to a text. Um, and in a way, like cities like Prague can take advantage of that because I think so much of... Um, so much of Prague's history like still remains unknown and gets shuffled around depending on who talks about it and um and so on and so forth so it was kind of um 
maybe more of a literary device in some way of just like explaining, no, explaining, portraying what goes on in the mind um, when we read, when we visit a place, when we try to conceive of a place. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. That's completely shifted how I read those bits. Now I completely, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, what are some of the books that you've reread that you've had that experience with? Um, almost all of them. Um, so I'm rereading um, this, uh, this absolute classic, which I decided was going to be my one of my desert island books called The Good Soldier's Shake. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, sort of set in the first world war, um, a soldier, and it's a sort of a thousand page book and maybe the first 300 pages of it are shake malingering and just trying not to get sent to the front. Um, and there are so many, like, she's an absolute mad lad. I'm just reading it. I'm just like, what, Shrake? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you don't know, so many passages that I didn't remember or that, again, I was, I'm just like, was this really here? But actually connect to, I suppose, my deepened knowledge. Because I think the first time that I read it about 10 years ago, a lot of the place names didn't really mean anything to me um there are a lot of scenes that take place in Prague that because I didn't know Prague that well um you know I didn't have that kind of little map inside my head or a kind of dimensional sense of like where all of this was happening and now I see it it's as if I see it in 4D now um and I guess that's what I love about just books in general the way that they wait for you to like know more and to have seen more and to feel more and come back to them and sort of open new doorways and enter into like these passageways that um before you just barely noticed yeah 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 yeah. I think that's beautiful it's I, I almost feel as well different parts kind of come to the fore depending on what's happening in your own life as well than when you consume them um yeah I love that um one thing that I'm also really keen to ask you about is um friendship and the theme of friendship in the book um because yeah, that's kind of the the first lens that we're presented with the three friends who are meeting up again. Um, what what? How does friendship and how does maybe you know distant friendships function for you in this book? Gosh, that's a that's a really really good question that is not <laughs> that we've not anticipated. Let me try and think through it. No rush. Um, <laughs> I was very. I guess intrigued by this dynamic of your life being connected to another person's, um, but not in a way that's almost like invisible threads that are also inexplicable. Like there's no reason why these people um, have such strong feelings towards and against each other. And I guess maybe that was a sort of transformation into fiction of the way that I feel about my attachment to Prague. Like it's still very, um, still people ask me like, what are you doing here? <laughs> why, why did you move here? And I'm just like, I don't know, but I just love it. Like it's one of those, it's one of those things that just happened. And it's one of those like almost irrational connections that I'm really grateful for because it allowed me to like begin living what I think of as my real life. I feel like I was just like waiting. I'm waiting for a really long time for my real life to begin. And then I was like looking around and, you know, I moved from Berlin to Budapest to Paris and like all of these places. And I was like, where is my real life? And then, and then I came to Prague and I was like, oh, I don't like this place and, <laughs> and just left and then ended up moving back. And, you know, all of these like back and forth. 
And I think that there are parallels between that and a lot of the friendships. Not just in my life, but that I that I observe in literature, that I observe um, in nonfiction, where the thing that actually becomes most permanent in your life is the thing that you think is temporary, or it's just kind of like, oh, this will just be for a while. You know, we get on. Um, and this has always been the case, even just speaking personally, the things that I think are going to be deep and a big deal are never deep and a big deal. Um, but the things that I think are just kind of like, ah, oh, I turn out to be like a permanent presence. Um, and that's kind of interesting as well. So it's kind of like a way of um, talking about the, the the influence that Prague can have on some people. Because I also know some, some people who've been to Prague and they're like, oh, it was a nice city. I had some beers and then I left. Um, and then there are others who are kind of like, their city. Um, <laughs> so the way, just the ways that parts of us can show up and have like this really strange and lasting influence in other people and then other times would you just kind of like brush past people like strangers in the night like that kind of thing um so the way that cities can do that the way that people can do that to each other um and then somehow in this story Prague gets into that friendship and like reacts differently to the different friends um so there's a sort of alchemy there Intelligence Squared is a tight-knit team doing big things, and it means we're always looking for tools that can help streamline managing tasks. That's why I want to talk to you for a minute about NetSuite. NetSuite provides cloud-based software to get things moving. Maybe your business has been humming, but you can feel things are falling behind a little bit. Or perhaps your team is getting snowed with manual tasks and closing those books is taking forever. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, 1. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, allowing them to close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. It means you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. It's everything you need to grow all in one place. NetSuite is now making an unprecedented offer to make more of that kind of thing possible. Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com squared. That's netsuite.com squared to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com squared. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to think about that point that you made about friendships and, you know, the kind of relationships that often you never assume are going to be the deep ones end up being the lifelong ride or die types in your yeah. life I think I'll so think surprising. about that for a while yeah <laughs> um can you tell me about your relationship to Prague when did you move and how does the city um yeah what is your relationship to Prague and have you put some of that dynamic into this book um I think that I have in that both my responses to Prague are contained in it and that the first time that I came here was just for a few days um, with a really close friend. And we went to, um, she was doing a, a residency in Leipzig. So we were in Leipzig and then we came to Berlin and we came to Prague and Prague was our least favorite. We were like, oh, Berlin's so great. And wow. now it's really weird to me to think that I ever preferred Berlin to Prague. Like I can clearly <laughs> remember 
I can clearly remember thinking that, but I'm just like, who was that person who didn't <laughs> understand how amazing Prague is? Um, and yeah, for about a year, I was kind of like, oh, I really don't like Prague. I think that we just came, the weather was bad, like we didn't like the food, people were mean to us, like everything was just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and then a year later, somehow, it was almost like a romantic comedy where people like hate each other so much that it means something. <laughs> It's like it means that they love each other because it, because then I ended up um, moving to Prague just like based on just sort of brooding over it because I don't usually have that reaction. I'm I think I'm quite uh, an appreciative traveler. Like I usually find something to like about most places that I pass through. But with Prague, I was like I don't like anything about this <laughs> this city. And then I ended up moving there. And when I moved, nothing had changed. But I just loved everything. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. I honestly don't know what happened. Um, and it was so irrational that that was when I decided to like try other cities. Like, well, a friend invited me to date other cities because um, <laughs> he was like, she was like, I do think it is irrational, but you should try other cities. And if you really miss Prague, then you should come back. And that's what I ended up doing. Like I, um, I tried Budapest for a year. I tried Berlin for six months and ended up coming back to Prague because it just felt like the place where I can dream most freely and like I think that that's always just what I've wanted in life um so yeah that yeah I think it's because you framed it as a rom-com I can't I can't remove that um <laughs> metaphor for this now it really does feel like the enemies to lovers arc yeah <laughs> and I was just like I don't understand this but I'm 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 drawn to this place that I don't like anything about <laughs> yeah and it feels like I guess writing a book about the city feels like the ultimate declaration of love now, perhaps. Yeah, um, I'm so I'm so nervous about it, Rashira. Like I just feel like uh, what I'm done, but I don't. I think I feel vulnerable in a way that I haven't with other books, um, just because. I, and I can't tell if this is a situation with my generation or if it's just personal, but I think I have like a kind of issue with sincerity where I just kind of like, I prefer to be ironic or just to like be distanced um, and not talk really passionately about the things I love because if someone else doesn't also love it, then I'll be really upset. <laughs> so I think that with this, it's kind of like, oh no, now, I, now my feelings about, now my feelings about Prague are out in the open, but um, it had to happen sometime. Yeah. Um, I mean, I find that deeply, deeply painfully relatable about sincerity and earnestness. I think, really? yeah, putting some of yourself out there and being vulnerable is deeply mortifying. And I think it is just being very online. We're just kind of, you know, laughing at everything constantly and taking none of it seriously. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I, I do really relate to that. I haven't written a book on Prague, but I, I think that is something a lot of people relate to. I mean, when you end up writing a book about whatever it is that you're obsessed with, then you'll know. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I, I think I understand where that feeling comes from that you're talking about. But I think, as you said, we can't run away from it because then none of, none of the art we create comes from a, a true place, you know? Mm. I, do, I do think that there has to be some risk, like some element of risk involved in in the art that you make to make it I don't know it's like the finishing touch in some ways <laughs> and it's something that I just want to be there for 
the next person who comes to Prague and like why and it's like why do I randomly like feel such a draw to this place when there's absolutely no reason for me to feel this? Um, and then it will touch on because the book that I read that made me think, oh, somebody else like sees what I see. Um, is this book of poems by um, Nesbel, this poet Nesbel, um, who moved to Prague from the countryside, I guess after. Yeah, he'd served as a soldier in the First World War and then he came to Prague and he was completely dazzled by it. And he wrote a book of poems called um, Prague with Fingers of Rain. And this was in the 1930s. And when I read it, it felt like it had been written now. It felt like, oh, somebody else has been, just sees it. Um, and that was when I knew that it wasn't just me. <laughs> and then you read other works and you're like, I want the people feel like this. Um, so I like being part of this chain of... Um, unlikely unlikely Prague lovers <laughs> that must be really powerful just feeling feeling as if somebody had captured an experience that you had yeah and that it's the city that I see um I mean in a way I would be fine if the city that I see only exists in my imagination but it's nice that it also has an objective reality in some sense I mean I think the book is beautiful I reading it and seeing Prague through your eyes I haven't had that experience, but it really, I think if I ever go back again, it will make it feel so magical. And I think I will be looking at details that I possibly never thought to before. Yay! It <laughs> makes me so happy. I think that it's definitely a place that shouldn't just be visited once. Um, there's, there's just so much to it and so many layers. And it also depends on the mood that you catch Prague in and so <laughs> on and so forth. I just can't stop thinking that, about what you just said about capturing the mood Prague is in. And you said right at the beginning, Prague is almost like a living organism in the book. Um, what are the various moods of Prague that you've experienced? Um, there's aloofness. Like sometimes it depends on the weather. Sometimes it depends on the season. Um, but I've definitely exper experienced an aloofness and I feel a lot of the time that I just love this city and I have no idea how it feels about me, where it's, where it's kind of like, okay, that's fine if you love me, that's your issue. <laughs> and But then I had this um, writing residency in Kentucky for six months. And I I think that, that was this was when I first understood that my thing with Prague was really serious because I would wake up in my dream. And in my dream, I would have woken up in Prague and I'd just be like going about my day, like just normally going, I'd be having my tea, but in Prague. <sighs> and... And it was only when something like completely impossible happened that I was like, oh, I'm not awake. And then I would really wake up and I'd be in Kentucky and I'd be like, I had a great time in Kentucky, but I was also like so homesick. So I was like, why am I not in Prague? So there was that. And then around that time, a friend of mine who's here um, wrote to me saying, is there any reason why your name would be appearing like on bus stops and at bus stops and tram stops? And I was like, what? And he sent me a photo and there was someone, and I still don't know what was going on. Someone was writing Helen, like <laughs> huge. I, I can't tell whether the graffiti artist's name is Helen or whether it's just somebody, a graffiti artist who was like in love with a Helen, but the, just the name <laughs> Helen like kept appearing like actually in my neighborhood. Wow. Just on walls. And I managed to get a few photos because as soon as I got back, I was like, what's going on? And I haven't seen any in like the past four or five years so I hope this artist is okay maybe they just got over this Helen <laughs> but um <laughs> I took that as a sign that Prague was calling me I was like yes Prague misses me too yeah so sometimes you feel your affection return sometimes there's an aloofness sometimes there's a kind of um and this is definite like a 
desire to mislead, which is I pass places that I want to visit again. Like I pass this pub. Um, the name translates to the house of the hairy ghost. <laughs> and, I, and I made a note to myself that, oh, I want to go to that pub at some point and I could never find it again. And oh, just wow. there are just things like that where it's kind of like, what's what's going on here? <laughs> where sometimes frog seems very like straightforward and certain and sometimes um, like a maze. Oh, I'm going to have to go back. I think, yeah, I don't know. You've you've really you've really created this almost like fantastical image of Prague that I just have to go back and see for myself now yay (laughs) (laughs) um my final question that I wanted to ask you is what do you hope people get from this book um huh I guess a different picture of what resistance means like of what resistance to circumstances means um because a big thing about Prague and part of what I love and admire so much about Prague is that so many people have tried to define the city and control the city and just haven't been able to because it's just too weird for them and and I think that I know for anybody out there who maybe feels like just that they're too weird to live in some way, it's just a way of saying, no, like this is, this too is a way of, of being in the world and a successful way of being like, it means that you get to, by like existing within these spaces that like nobody has names for or words for, um, it's possible to thrive actually. Um, yeah, that's why I feel like Prague is the home of like all those concepts and all those people and beings. Yeah, just reading the book, it felt like a very magical way to live by, you know, finding signs, characters that evolve, things all around you, just, I don't know, fantastical characters everywhere as well. I think it's what we do. I actually think that that is honestly how we live, like to some extent. We're encouraged to switch off like that the understanding of ourselves but we're doing it all the time like we're fictionalizing and romanticizing everything and everyone um all the time we just kind of it's 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 all to do with our interpretation of what happens to us and how we see other people um so just allowing that free association um i guess that would turn everywhere into prague (laughs) absolutely thank you so much for your time helen i'd like to thank you for a fascinating conversation For everyone else, the book again is Parasol Against the Axe and is available now from your local bookshop. I'm Ruchira Sharma and you've been listening to Intelligence Squared. Thanks so much, Ruchira. Thanks for listening to Intelligence Squared. This episode was produced by Connor Boyle and edited by Tom Hall. If you want to keep up with everything going on at Intelligence Squared, sign up to the newsletter. Head over to intelligencesquared.com To get the heads up on all our live events coming up, and members can also peruse over 20 years of our back catalogue featuring some of the world's great minds. That's all over at intelligencesquared.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. 
Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.